What does it take to get rookie of the year at a really competitive, busy real estate brokerage? Hey, welcome to Modern Real Estate Marketing. I am here today with Krishan Harris. Krishan Harris is with a brokerage here in Kansas City, Reese Nichols. And I had the pleasure of sitting down with Krishan probably six months ago. We were talking a lot about marketing and, and some things that he was doing. And I was just super impressed because when it came to daily activities and weekly activities that real estate agents are supposed to do, he was checking all the boxes. And not a lot of people can say that. Not a lot of people I sit down with are checking all the boxes. So it's, it's my honor and my privilege to get you in here today. And we can tell real estate agents out there across the country some of the secrets to your success to get Rookie of the Year in a pretty short amount of time. Thank you. So, um, all right. So when did you get licensed? Why did you get licensed? What were you doing before that? So I got licensed April of 2021. So it's been just two years now, this month. And before that, I was a manager at McDonald's. I'd worked there from the time I was 15 for the last uh, five years and worked my way up as high as I can get. I was looking for a change, looking to work for myself, and opportunity kind of presented itself. And then my grandmother, she's in the business too. So I kind of knew I wanted to do it and I just made the leap and it's been the best decision of my life. The rookie of the year last year. How big is your, your office, your brokers that you're in? Um, the number goes up and down. I think we're at like 120, 130 agents mm -hmm. in the office. And you've got some top real estate agents in that office. It's it's a competitive office. Yes, yeah. It really is. And you've got a really top-notch broker in there. So that's that's a pretty good accolade. Yeah, we have some of the top teams and top agents in the whole, you know, Kansas City metropolitan area. Not just within the brokerage yeah. in the area. So. A lot of real estate agents I meet and I talk to that are new in the business struggle. There, there's no secret. It's it's a tough, tough business. You know, dropout rates, depending on what statistic you're looking at, is between 50% and 80% for new real estate agents that just don't make it in the business. How long and how discouraging was it when you started before you, you start to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel and start to get a little bit of traction? It was very, very hard in the beginning. I will say that now it was, I had a little bit of luck because my grandmother, she's in the business. So we did our first few transactions together. Um, I got to learn a little bit about the selling and the buying without having to be on my own so much, even though I have a great office that supports me, of course. It took about six or seven months before I started getting my own transactions coming in too. And I can contribute that to all of the work that I was doing in the beginning, yeah. starting to come back pretty quickly. And now even this year, as I'm building a lot of the stuff that I did last year is starting to coming to effect this year too. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna get into you checking all the right activity boxes and, and what that looks like and what I'm talking about there. But for someone to get in and so quickly start to do, um, you know, all the, the activities that you were doing that led to your success, was it just your grandmother that you leaned on? Did you have a coach? Did you have a mentor? Who, who kind of got you going down that, that path to begin with? Well, I didn't really have a coach. I had a mentor in my office. We did a few transactions, or not a transaction but necessarily, but we had a few sessions every month to just talk about what I was doing and what's working and what's not. And then, of course, my broker, I lean on her all the time, asking her questions as transactions happen. I don't really know the answers all the time. Okay. Yeah, otherwise, I was pretty much just on my own figuring it out. Okay. Error. All right. All right. And then today, are you utilizing a coach or anything? No. Nope. Okay. All right. So let's let's talk about what some of those activities look like for you. What What's your average week look like when it comes to marketing? And I, I can't remember, and I apologize if you're doing Popeyes and things like that, but, but what is your average week when you sit down on a Sunday or on a Monday and you plan it out? What does that look like? 
So a lot of my planning is around content creation. So I'm on a lot of platforms, pretty much all of them, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and YouTube, planning out the content. And then I'm also looking at who I need to follow up with throughout the week. So I usually spend about 30 minutes to an hour a day of that's just my follow-up time, following up with past leads, past clients, anyone who I just think needs to hear my voice or get a text from me. Yeah. Um, I'm constantly following up with people. You're talking about following up, but I, I assume you've built a sphere of influence, a, a, a database of people. Yeah. Um, and so what does your average outreach to those people look like? Are you making contact with maybe your top 50 once a month, once a quarter? What? Kind of give me an idea what that looks like. So my top or like my hot leads, people who I know want to do something in the next two or three months, I'm usually talking to them at least twice a week. Mm -hmm. um, people who are maybe more long-term, like maybe they want to do something in six months, nine months. Um, usually it's, I would say once or twice a month is when I reach out to those people. And then my top people that refer me business, usually the same thing about once or twice a month. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And even before I had clients, I was still having that system in place of every day I'm reaching out to people. So it was people who I was maybe like sending CMAs to, mm -hmm. people who um, like people were either commenting or liking my content. I was reaching out to just ask them like, hey, what did you think about this? Things like that just to start conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So how did how did you build up that that sphere of influence or, or that database of, of some of these referral partners and some of these clients? Um, because I think that's probably that's the number one question I hear the most from new agents is how do I build my sphere? And that's probably the number one question that I see a lot of veteran real estate agents not answer. Mm -hmm. So give, give me a little insight if you, you don't mind on how you built up that sphere of influence. So a lot of it was just knowing like my friends and family, that's how I started um, having all them on Facebook. And then I, there was this ninja questionnaire that had like 50 things about like different people to like who you need to add to your database. So things like your pet groomers, your car mechanic. So I went through that. Um, I didn't have a lot of those things because I'm younger and I don't have a lot of those people. Um, but like a lot of my past coworkers and past teachers, things like that, I added them on Facebook and different platforms. Okay. Um, and then whenever I have closings or different things where I'm tagging people in my Facebook post, whenever their audience was liking or engaging in the content, then I would reach out and friend them or message them, something like that, just to say thank you. Yeah, oh, awesome. Are you doing any client events? I know you're doing a lot of new homebuyer events right now. I'm seeing you do a lot of those, it looks yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, um, read this month. So, uh, and I wanna talk about that, but let's, are you doing any client events, um, client appreciations? I did my first one um, this December. I did a holiday party for all my past clients and people who referred me business. Did you get any referrals after that holiday party from the people that were there? I did get one referral. Um, I don't really see it as like a way to get direct referrals, mm -hmm. but just as an alternative to just calling somebody or texting or doing a pop by, something nice to do for my people. Yeah. I know it'll come back it, it, for years to come. Yeah, so many agents I think overlook the power of events um, and client appreciation events and the agents that I work with and the agents that I talk to that actually integrate this into their marketing plan. They, they get referrals, they, they get leads from this. So I mean, it's it's something, if you're not doing client events, you can do client events on a shoestring budget if need be. Leverage some people that you're doing business with right now, uh, whether it be lenders, title people, insurance people, so on and so forth. As you're feeding them, you can turn around, leverage them to help you with some of these events. But I think that's so, empower so, so powerful. So new client events, I know a lot of agents try it, 
from the pictures that I've seen from your past events, you're getting people there, yeah, which is amazing. Tell me about uh, how how you're orchestrating some of these client events because I also see you're doing it in conjunction with different people a lot of the times as well. Yeah, so that one me and my grandmother did together because we had a lot of clients um, in 2021 together mm -hmm. that we did transactions with. So it was all of those past clients. We asked everyone to invite someone they know if they'd like to. Um, and then people who have referred us business. And that's how we got everyone there. And actually we have more than we were expecting because a lot of people either didn't RSVP or they, um, like I had one client who moved out of town and we didn't know they were gonna be in town. They showed up last minute. So that was nice to see them yeah. since they're in Texas now. Yeah, awesome. Are you gonna continue doing uh, new client events or new home buyer uh, type events? Or is this something just through the spring market that you're focusing on? As far as my home buyer education events, yes. So I'm planning on doing those regularly. <laughs> this month was a crazy one because I did three. I was I was only planning on doing one and I was asked to do two other ones, but I'm planning on doing at least, I would say one every two months. Okay. Yeah, I love those events. How are you getting the invites out to, to people, um, which I know a lot of agents struggle with? Are you using just social or are you using any other channels? The first one that I did, it was mainly social, but I also try to... Um, put them in places that already had built in audiences. So for the last two ones that I did, I did, I did two churches mm -hmm. um, that had a great audience and big audience. So th those brought in people. And then I did one at the library that had people coming in. We had flyers there. I'm having another one that's in a partnership with Juneteenth KC. So they're, they have an audience that they're marketing to. Okay. And as well as like the lenders um, who are speaking or like the insurance agents, anything like that, they're marketing to their databases as well. What I'm getting out of this is you are leveraging not just people um, like insurance or, or uh, title or lenders to invite people, but you're leveraging the event space as well. That's that's cool. I hadn't yeah. heard that before. That's cool. I like that. I like that a lot. So. We've got events you're doing, um, you're reaching out every single day. Do you have a dedicated time every single day that you allot to marketing? Marketing is in follow-up or is in like let's, uh, other activities? Let's, let's break it into two. So what about your follow-up? So follow-up normally happens every morning between nine and 10 a.m. If I haven't something, then I'll, it, it's a commitment for me. So every day I do it. If I have something at that time, I'll just move it to a different time. Okay. But every day. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. What has been your most effective marketing strategy to date, do you think? I would say it's a mix of pop buys and social media. Those two things have brought me a lot of business. And so any, any magical, and, and I don't want you to give away all your secrets, <laughs> but anything from a pop buy standpoint that's just been a, a home run for you? Well, at first when I was doing pop buys, I was always popping by to like cold leads or like trying to do it in the farm areas and I wasn't getting anything from it. And then when I started popping by to my COI and my top referrals, I just always, because what'll happen is I'll, I drop off a gift and I try to just drop by and leave. They invite me in, they're talking to me for 10, 20, sometimes even an hour. Uh -huh. And they always have, oh, by the way, I know someone who is uh, thinking about moving, can you help them? Or, oh, I know this person, I'll, I'll give them like your phone number. And so, yeah, I've gotten, there was one pop by that I did last summer and I got three transactions from that one pop by because they referred me to someone and that person referred me to some other person and it just goes yeah, in there. It works. It works. Yeah. That's and they awesome. just love to just get something, just something free. It doesn't have to be big. No. I mean, it's always something small, but something yeah. I can do quickly and put together and just, it's nice to just drop by and say hi. Yeah. So what do you think sets you apart from, from other agents in Kansas City? I know this is a hard question. This is a tough question because 
it's hard for us to talk about ourselves sometimes and in, in those things but what do you think is been one of the things that have set you apart to lead to some of your success in just a short two-year period i think i um leverage technology a lot more than some of the veteran agents out there so leveraging social media as a way to nurture people leveraging i mean i, I know a lot of different tricks with like canva and outlook and Excel to like create newsletters quickly, create different things that I'm sending out pretty quickly. And then let's see, I do a lot of video walkthroughs of houses, not just for social media, but if I have clients that are out of town or clients have schedules that don't work with my schedule where I need to do showings, I'll, you know, drop by, do a video, put it on YouTube as private, send it to them and they can view the property and see if they want to go see it in person. Yeah. So how many videos do you average a week? Just ballpark. Um, I'll tell you about two to five. It really changes depending on what I have going on. If I have a listing, that's usually two or three videos yeah. of content, just talking about the listing. And some sometimes I have, you know, eight videos in a week, but I would say on average two to five. Two to five. Okay. And so you, you talked about some of the listings and some of the property walkthroughs. You also do a lot of educational videos. I've yeah. seen you do a lot of those out there. Tell, tell everyone about the equipment that you're using let's say on the educational videos. So I know some of your walkthroughs, you've got professional videographers out there that are doing the, the f listing photos and things like that. But when you're out there and you're, you're doing your educational or you're doing on the fly, maybe a walkthrough that for a property that's not a listing, hmm. what's your equipment look like? So it's usually just my phone. Mm -hmm. um, if it's educational, I sometimes have a tripod that I use to you know point the camera at me, but otherwise just my phone. Okay. Yeah. Right. And I use apps like uh, CapCut yep. is a great one for the walkthroughs to edit them together. And then otherwise the educational ones don't just captions. It's $10 a month, but it's so worth it to yeah. be able to quickly throw a video together and not have to spend so much time editing it. Yeah, yeah. Captions app, it's only available for Apple. Um, so you can only get it on your iPhone or on your iPad, 10 bucks a month. It's, it's my app for 2023 uh, because they continue to make so many cool it, uh, advancements on that app. Some of the stuff they just came out with just a couple of weeks ago was was just amazing. So that's, if you walk away with nothing else today, Captions app is, is incredible. Yeah, so. one of the cool things that I haven't used yet, but I think is a really cool feature in the app is they can have like an AI generate a script and then it can even like do a teleprompter where you can read on screen as you're on the video, which is great if you're starting out and don't really know what to say Yeah, or just get nervous on camera. So uh, I'm a big believer in chat GPT, especially when it comes to, to coming up with some video scripts. I will be honest, I think the AI for video scripts for uh, real estate content, especially educational content is almost better with the AI in the captions app than chat GPT. Mm. It's, it's, pretty doggone good. It's pretty amazing. All right. So uh, some of your, your, uh, listing videos and stuff, you are bringing in a professional videographer. You just did one I saw last week and depending when you're listening or, or watching this, this may be a little bit harder to find. Did you have a change of clothes with you before you jumped in the pool? <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. Um, People don't realize this, but I actually do find a lot of my inspiration from other videos too. So I did see a video of someone doing the same thing. And so I was like, oh, that's a cool idea. And how often will I have a listing with a pool? So I'm like, let's just do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it's April here in Kansas City. It was an indoor pool. So yeah, indoor yeah. Pool. <laughs> it was an indoor pool. All right. So when, when you sit down to do your videos, because I think you are just killing it on social media. I think you're killing it on, on your video work. Uh, and you sit down to plan out non-property type of videos, so maybe educational videos and stuff. How are you coming up with your content? This is one of my biggest, I think, 
don't know if it's a secret, but I get questions a lot from other agents asking me about this. So I just look to my, like what's been happening the last week. So I look at like, I go to my text messages and look at what clients have asked me. I go through my DMs, I look at comments and see what people are talking about. We have sales meetings every week in my office, things that came up. Basically just anything that I know I'm gonna feel passionate about talking about, because I want that if people engage with me, if they call me about it, text me, if they DM, uh-huh. something I'm excited to talk about. I don't just go on you know different national publications and just find stuff that I don't really care about. If I care about it, I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know a lot of agents struggle with that is what content do I, I come up with and, and what do I talk about? So what's going on in the market? What what are questions that, you know, you've been getting from your, your prospects and your clients? I think that makes complete sense. So yeah. and I'm really big on trying to make it not super um, like, I guess, not high level too much. You know, really talk to the basic person, the basic um, home buyer or yeah. home seller who doesn't do this every day and doesn't know the terminology just making it really look and sound like me and how I would talk to a client, not necessarily how I talk to other agents or something. Yeah. You're recording those videos on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, you're using usually captions or uh, app to add captions. You're using CapCut to, to edit that up. At what point do you, I'm going to put you on the spot. What point do you start to outsource some of your marketing or what point do you start to outsource some of your your video creation so that you can focus on other things and start to build this up because there's, there's a reason I asked because I, I was part of a video panel, um, with some agents just several weeks ago and, and Krishan asked this question to a panelist. So I want to see what his takeaway was from, from his own question. Uh, well, for me, I'm still like debating that question right now. For me, I have to kind of decide how much business I'm getting and if it financially makes sense, because I'm a very numbers guy, so I have to just think about what yeah. makes sense financially for me. And then also, I guess just my time, because yeah. right now I I commit to it, but also another factor of it is I want everything that I put out to look and feel like me. And so I I don't want to outsource it and then the way my content looks and feels, it looks too salesy or yeah. too professional or too like a template, I want it to still look and feel like me. Yeah. The stuff I see you putting out, uh, where I know you're doing the filming, the the editing and stuff right now, um, I think is is about the perfect balance right now of of you and professionalism. It looks really, really good. So so okay. keep that up. Keep that up. Yeah. And if if you get to the point where you start to outsource any of your marketing services, you know, you need to find the right person that's gonna work and, and make your stuff look and feel like you. Yeah. And that may not be the first or even the second person that you interview. So it's 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 tough to find the right mix. Videographers especially can be a weird bunch. We are we're a little we're a little odd sometimes. So <laughs> you you've got to do the right interviews, you gotta ask the right questions. And not the first person's always the right person. So. Yeah, and that makes sense too, because I know like as creative people, you know, videographers are used to, you know, having their style. Yeah. And so they're they're more passionate about that style. So I just want to make sure that everything that I put out is still my style too. Yeah. What's your favorite uh, social media platform? Um, uh, what? Not not from a, a production or referral standpoint. What's your favorite one? Probably Facebook. Still, I mean, Facebook. it is my. I didn't want to say that because that's also where I get most of my business from. Mm-hmm. Is Facebook, but yeah. yeah, that is my favorite platform. I think just because I get the most engagement from it, and I like you know talking to people, and I think that's just where I love it. Not just posting and seeing stuff and seeing the views come in, but seeing the likes, seeing the comments, getting the DMs. Your your age bracket 
for you to say Facebook, um, I, I love it. Uh-huh. It surprises me because a lot of other agents that are in the similar, similar uh, age bracket out there would say TikTok, Instagram, so on and so yeah. forth. I'm telling you, if you're sleeping on Facebook right now, you're you're missing out. The engagement on Facebook right now for real estate agents is through the roof. Yeah. It, it's really, really good. You got to put in the work. Social media is meant to be social. It's a two-way street. It, and so you've got to put in the work. You've got to put in the engagement on your end. But it's it's a powerful, powerful social media platform right now. Yeah. And I think where everyone's going to be successful, it's going to definitely depend on like your connections, your database. Because for me... I have a lot of friends and family who are already on Facebook. I know a lot of people, even though I'm young, I have a lot of friends and family who are older in their 30s, 40s, 50s, who are very active on Facebook. Um, and they're buying and selling houses and they want to hear from me. So that's you know where I get the most engagement from. And then I've recently started being very active on LinkedIn because I have a lot of friends who are getting out of college and thinking about investing and thinking about buying. And so now I've started to be active on that platform as well. Cool. What's the secret to success on LinkedIn, because I know so many agents shy away from it because as soon as you accept someone's uh, connection request on LinkedIn, you've got 33 emails from them and spam messages and everything else. What's what's your secret to, to being successful on LinkedIn? I think one is definitely engage with your ideal buyer. So for me, it's like the person getting out of college, thinking about buying their first house. And so not just posting stuff, but commenting on their things and um, DMing them and just engaging as much as possible. And then really one of the things that I did when I started being active is I did a search for people who went to high school with me or um, and then just started adding people who I recognized. Yeah. And then uh, as people would engage with my content, adding them and just not being afraid to, I guess, build your list up instead of just posting and seeing what happens. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So um, Facebook and LinkedIn. So that's that's great. That's absolutely great. When everyone else is chasing reels and chasing TikToks right now um, and not having a lot of success. A lot of agents aren't having success on those platforms. I love what you're doing. Yes. And there's value in every platform. I do Mm -hmm. think that I think Instagram is a great platform if you're looking for agent referrals Mm -hmm. like out of state um, because I think Instagram is like if you're an agent all you see in your like feed is other houses pretty much like all I see in my feed. So you're going to see the agents that have a bunch of listings that are doing things different and that'll stand out. And then I think TikTok's a great platform TikTok is, I think, the only platform that if someone is in your contacts, it pushes the content out to them. So I had an example where I had a stale lead that wasn't responding to me and I had them in my contacts. They were seeing my stuff on TikTok and now they know I can trust me. They refer me to their daughter who's buying a house. So you just never know. I mean, that's why I post on everything because there's value in all platforms. Yeah. So an agent out there that's on social, maybe they're on Facebook, but they're not real big on video. What's your one piece of advice for an agent to get started making video? Um, well, I would say it's easier to do video if it's something that you feel passionate about talking about. So like I wouldn't go to different sites like Keeping Current Matters or like the Wall Street Journal if you're not going to feel comfortable with those topics and if we'll talk about it. I think I think you should talk about things that people if someone called you about it, you wouldn't be bored to talk about. Yeah. And definitely just tell story. I think people, especially on Facebook, people love to hear the stories. People love to hear the day in the life. So like when I post things like just listed and just sold it under contract, I don't just put sold this house in this neighborhood at this price. I put met this buyer or met this seller and these are the challenges and this is what we overcame. And that also helps because when people are on those platforms, if they're reading it and that sounds like them, they're more likely to engage and DM. Like if you say, you know, we we had to look at 20 different houses and we wrote 10 offers and we finally got this last one. If that sounds like them, they're going to, you know, 
engage more. That's gold. Yeah, I, I think that may be the, we're not even done with this. That may be my favorite part of, of this podcast so far, because you're not going onto Canva, grabbing a cookie cutter template for just sold, throwing it out there and walking away. Um, you've taken a completely different approach from 98% of agents out there. And I absolutely love it. That's perfect. That's yeah. perfect. Did you come up with that on your own? Did you see someone else doing that? I don't remember to be honest. Take, I think I just, take, I don't know. Take, I have, take the credit. I have a lot of people <laughs> that I know that just like to tell stories a lot, but yeah. it's natural for me to tell stories that it just, and I don't see a lot of value. In, I mean, unless someone just really cares about their neighborhood, mm -hmm. other than that, I don't see much value in just saying, I sold this house in this neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That's absolutely gold. And that's, that's something that so many agents are doing right now. So storytelling is, have, have you heard of the book or have you read the book, um, Story Brand by Donald Miller? I'm not. Okay. Need to check that out. Storytelling for so many of us, I'm not a good storyteller. Most people that I know are not good storytellers. If you're a really good storyteller, um, you're going to, you're going to run miles and miles ahead of most of your competitors. It's, it's an art. It can be an art that can be refined and improved on. But it, there's there's so few good storytellers out there, so that's that's really powerful. But yeah, Story Brand by Donald Miller, um, excellent excellent book. Yes, yeah. and I use storytelling not just in video too. I use it in a lot of different ways. So when I'm having buyer consultations or like listing appointments, I'm not just giving them you know this is what I do, but I say these are examples of how we've had success with these strategies and why we use them. And then if I do like newsletters or different like email campaigns out to people, I'm using the stories to say why we do certain things and just showing that value even more. Yeah, that's awesome. That's incredible. I love that. What uh, what do you see for the real estate market here in the Midwest? Can't speak to the coast um, because, you know, what's going on, on on the West Coast and the, the East Coast right now are dramatically different when it comes to real estate. But right here in the central states region, what do you, what does your crystal ball look like for real estate for, for the rest of 2023? As far as the market or like what agents are doing? Uh, probably the market, on the market. Well, as interest rates continue, I mean, this this year has been a lot hotter than the fall. You know, fall we saw sales down, transactions down, and we still expect less transactions this year than um, the previous two years. But I'm seeing multiple offers come back, and I'm seeing a lot of, um, you know, just so much activity. Buyers are coming back. They're not scared as much. They're not scared with the rates that are not even that high, but, you know, higher than we're used to. Yeah. And as they continue to come down, I think we're never going to really be in a normal market. We're going to still be in a hot market. Yeah. Where homes are falling fast and for multiple offers. And it's so important to price them right. Because I do see a lot of, it's it's so weird. It's like if you price it just right or just below, I mean, it's going to always sell fast and sell for more. And then it's, if you price it even just barely too high now in this market, as buyers are smarter and they're more picky because of the rates, it'll sit. Yeah. And then you'll end up getting less than what you're even expecting to get. So newer in the market, um, you know, let's go back, maybe rewind for a year. And how, who did you lean on to help you when it came to, to pricing homes? Well, mainly my, my broker and my mentor and my, I mean, just people who I like respect in my office. But you, I assume you were reaching out, you were getting educated on, on helping you come up with prices and, and why those numbers were the end number. Um, so that you could put yourself in the position you are today, I assume. So, well, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. I love the numbers. So, I mean, I, I was always looking in the MLS and seeing what houses would sell for. And so if I ever had a listing, I was doing a really big deep dive and looking at the listings and see what they list for, sell for, look at the concessions on it, look at mm -hmm. the days on market. 
Um, and I would look through all the pictures and just figure out everything I need to know about why it's sold for that price, not just that it's sold. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes I even like call the agents and ask about the story of the house and learn more about, you know, why things sell for awesome. the way they are. And even like pending listings that haven't sold yet, like I'll call the agents and figure out what happened with that house. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, an agent that's just starting out or considering starting out right now today in real estate, what's the one piece of advice you would give them? Well, one thing that I heard a lot was that you have to be full-time from the beginning um, and that it's impossible to have success part-time. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think if you're going to be a part-time agent, I think there's a lot less stress to it because you won't have to worry about where's your income going to come from. But I think you need to make a full-time effort even though you're part-time. So have a consistent time, whether it's early in the morning or late in the afternoon of this is what I'm going to prospect, this is when I'm going to market, this is who I'm going to and just have a lot of strategy and schedules and routines behind what you're doing. Yeah. What's your work-life balance look like right now? It's horrible right now. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, I, I work a lot. I, I mean, I work all the time. I have clients that sometimes will call me early in the morning or late at night. I'm writing offers late at night all the time. Um, yeah, I don't have a work-life balance right now, but that's something I'm working on. Well, and, and you know, there's there's a writer called John Acuff that I, f- I followed for years, um, and he puts it into, you have seasons of life. Yeah. And right now, I mean, you're, you're young. Um, do you have a family? No. You're young. This is a season of life where you grind. Yeah. And I love what I do, so yeah. I don't even, like, yeah, you don't I, I will wake up at five in the morning, and I will go to bed at 11 after writing offers, and I don't feel like I just worked all day. I thought yeah. I just enjoyed what I just yeah. did. Um, so yeah, if you're in that season of life, um, go for it and you're doing something that you love, which, you know, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life, I think is, is how that goes, right? Yeah. So yeah, no, that's perfect. So when you do have some downtime, what do you do to, to de-stress, decompress? The little time that I do have, um, I'm a big skater. I love skating, um, listening to music, hanging out with friends, just exploring the other city. How can people find you online or how can they reach out if they've got any questions? Well, I'm on a lot of platforms. So Facebook, just my name, Krishan Harris. Instagram, I'm Krishan.ReeseNichols. Same on TikTok, Krishan.ReeseNichols. LinkedIn, my name, and then same thing, YouTube, my name. Yeah. And I will put his contact information um, in the show notes and in the, uh, the video notes as well. Uh, so if you've got any questions, if you want to see how he's doing some of his educational videos or some of his property walkthroughs, check him out, take a look at, at what's going on. I think you're going to be just as impressed with Krishada as I am. So I really appreciate you giving us some time. I know it's a busy time of year right now for real estate agents. So I appreciate you coming in today. I really, really do. Yes. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, go have a wonderful spring.